This is the Clink Law Podcast, providing clarity to the many gray areas surrounding estate planning so you feel empowered to take action. Now here's your host, Peter Clink. Hi, everybody. Ready to talk a little bit more about death and taxes? Why not, right? It's a uh, it's a fantastic subject. <laughs> so let's start off because here's what we're talking about today. Avoiding the government. Uh, m- most people's uh, favorite subject. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about is is revocable trusts and avoiding the government. So people hear about revocable trust, revocable living trust. But where do they come from? Why do these things exist? You know, why are they around? And really all trusts at their heart exist because people were trying to avoid the government, right? And that, that's a, the primary primary purpose. Not the only one. You probably heard my other podcast. There's other reasons, but this is a big one. Um, it, people call up often, and, and they've heard of revocable trust. They're scratching their head. They they've read a little bit. It, they're they're confused. And I'm going to dip into some of the things I've talked about in other my, my other podcasts because it just makes sense to do it. But we're going to talk about what is the revocable trust, and and how did it get this this purpose. How did it meet the purpose of, of avoiding the government? Because if you look at it that way, it, it all makes sense, right? It all makes sense. So we're going to go back to the beginning and we're going to work forward because it always makes sense when you start at the beginning. So first, there was light. No. Uh, first, there were no trusts anywhere. And, and then they began and they began in uh, the British Empire. And that's why we have them by the way, because we were part of the British Empire. Don't forget it. We did uh, uh, part company with the British, but we liked trusts, so we kept them. Uh, we kept several things, and this is one of them. So why the British? Like, Why did that happen? Why aren't they from China? Why aren't they from Germany? We're not from you know Central Africa. Uh, it's because the British had a system, and you probably heard about it in old movies if you read your sense and sensibility they had a system where everything used to go to the eldest son when you died that was the rule that was the rule uh it was a great system for the king right great for the king it kept family fortunes together it didn't get divided up amongst a bunch of people there's some interesting articles out there about that being a, the cause of the fall of the polish empire where every kid daughter son everybody got an equal share so family fortunes were never compiled over generations. They were always divided up. Uh, but in the British Empire, that's not what they wanted. King wanted everybody to keep it together. Uh, he wanted to know who was the eldest son, so he got to know him over a long period of time. So when Dad died, he knew it was taken over. Uh, he uh, did want three sons running around chopping each other into small pieces when their dad died. Right? He wanted everything to be nice and orderly, neat. And it also gave him a lot of second, third, fourth sons who got nothing, who would uh, join the Navy, the Army. You know, always a good to have a, a good supply of, of war material, so to speak. So the king's winning all the way around on this thing. And uh, there were a couple wrinkles because what happens when a person dies and their eldest son is a baby? Well, uh, you know, this is a problem. The baby inherits, and the baby, though, can't take the fishing boat out or run the estate or the store or take care of the animals. So what do you do? Well, the king was happy. king said, hey, you know what? Uh, Somebody dies. They have an infant son. I will send one of my representatives out to take care of things. I will, of course, have to charge a, a 
generous fee for taking care of this until the kid's 18, uh, but I will make sure the kid is fine. So this was a a nice revenue-raising system for the king. King's winning. All the way around, king's always winning. Well, the people, what did they want to do? Avoid the king. They wanted to stay away from the king. I said, all right, you know, we see, you know, where the king's needed. Someone's got to take care of it. But can't we avoid the king here? And they came up with an idea. And they said, hey, what if, instead of just, you know, you, you die and the king comes, why don't you have a will? And why don't you nominate somebody and grant them the power to take care of your assets for your son? Why don't you have a will that grants the power to a trusted friend to hold on to your assets for your son's benefit? And then you avoid the king. Because if you pick somebody, then there's no void here. We don't need the king to step in. We're good. We don't need the king, right? You're taking care of it. You're avoiding the king. And that's it. These are the the three terms that are in every trust. You have a grantor. You have a trustee. You have a beneficiary, right? The person who grants the power, the trusted person, the trustee, and the beneficiary who benefits from the whole arrangement. Grantor, trustee, beneficiary. Well, okay, that worked out pretty well, but everybody had to kind of scratch their head in the beginning because if you die and you grant the power to your brother, let's say, to hold on to the farm for your son, who owns the land? Uh, Your dad, you don't own the farm. Um, The trustee doesn't own it because he's just holding on to it. You know, he's just managing it. And the beneficiary doesn't own it. They just benefit from the arrangement. So wait a second, who owns the land? Well, that's when this idea was made of of there being a a trust. A a trust is born when you die and grant the power to the trustee for the beneficiary. Uh, And over time, they they flesh that out. They say, well, trust can hire people. It can own things. It can buy things. It can buy insurance. Uh, It can do anything a person could do. But again, it's just a piece of paper, remember? So the trustee's that human personification. They don't own the stuff, but they get to manage this stuff. Well, that's fine. That, that worked itself out. Then eventually people said, you know, uh, how, about, how about if we keep the farm in the trust until the kid's 25? You know, 18's a little young to be taking over the farm. Maybe he needs a little bit more time to cook. But can a trust exist for an adult? I mean, they didn't know. They had to think about it. They debated it and they came up with the idea of, yeah, it does. We can do that. So now you can grant the power to your brother to hold the farm for your son till he's 25 and then your son can get the farm and while they were doing that then they learned they, well, wait a second you know when the kid hits 18 19 20 he might run up some gambling debts he might cause some trouble who knows what he gets into well the farm's in the trust so it's nice and safe so even if he had creditors the farm is just fine but when he turns 25 and we turn the farm over to him now those creditors can pounce so they thought about it and they said well what if We just have a trust that goes forever. What if we have a trust that is perpetual? What if we have a trust that's for my oldest son, but then my oldest grandson, then my oldest great-grandson, and just keeps going so the farm is always safe? Because the trustee, if the trustee gets sued, or the trustee has a divorce or something, that has nothing to do with the trust. They're just a hired hand. And if my son never owns it, he's always just a beneficiary, then if he's a knucklehead and he gets himself into trouble, well, we're completely safe. So people thought about it and they said, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's have perpetual trusts. And 
Interesting enough, Delaware, Pennsylvania, New Jersey still have perpetual trusts. Other states do not, but some states still do. So you can form a trust for your kid, your grandkid, your great-grandkid. It can go on and on and on and on. Now, that was all interesting. But then they thought about it and they said, well, if the trust is going forever, and if I name my brother as trustee, does that mean he has to be trustee until he drops dead? And they thought about it. Ah, you know, wait a second. If the trustee doesn't own what's in the trust, then why not let my kid be the trustee? Why not say, I grant the power to my brother to hold on to the farm until my son is 25 as trustee, then my son becomes the trustee, and he manages it for the beneficiary, who happens to be my son, until he dies, and then it's my grandson, my great-grandson, go goes down, right? They thought about it, and they said, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. So for the longest time, you've been able to do that. You can form a trust for your kid, let them be the trustee, and they can manage and take care of the property uh, in there, but if they get sued or divorced, it's safe. Your daughter-in-law, your son-in-law doesn't get their hands on it. So pretty nice, right? Nice arrangement. So things keep changing, though. They keep learning. You know, things keep uh, moving along. And then revocable trust came in, right? That's where we started here. We're going full circle. So these other trusts we've been talking about, they're irrevocable trusts. They're trusts that could not be revoked. So when you set up a trust at your death, you're not around to revoke it, right? <laughs> it's irrevocable. Well, okay, why revocable then? Well, okay, now we, again, talk about the United States, right? So when our country was formed, we had 13 colonies, and they all were looking at each other a little askew, right? All right, we need to get together to fight the British, but I don't know if I trust these other characters with anything else. So they negotiated the powers that were going to be with the states. And one of those powers is the power to handle the probate system, the system that uh, is a way for you to determine who's supposed to get the stuff of the person who dies. Now, sometimes people hear this and they think this is like a new invention. But guys, probates existed ever since human beings had anything they were carrying around. If I had three spear tips when I die, who gets them, Right. Who gets the spear tips? Did my son get them? Does my wife get them? Does my dad get them? That's probate, folks. That's just who gets your stuff when you die, right? Where is everything supposed to go? So this has been around forever. Uh, but here in the United States, they sat back, well, who gets to decide who gets your stuff when you're dead? They said, well, each state does. So that means we have 50 different little incubators percolating away on systems about deciding how your stuff gets divided up when you die. Now, some of those systems are fine. They work pretty well. Some of them are really bad. The three culprits that always come up and every, every, uh, uh, every time it's brought up and talked about are California, New York, and Florida. Just bad systems. Uh, and speaking of somebody who's done probate in plenty of states where it's pretty straightforward when you have to do probate in Florida or New York, I've never done it in California. Can't speak to that for sure. Uh, but it's just so irritating. It's so irritating. It's so expensive. And there's a lot of reasons for it. And we'll talk about some other day. Uh, but right now, you know, that was it. So here are these three states. Probate's tough. And I'm going gonna, gonna to make up a little story here, but I'm pretty sure this is probably how it happened. So there was an attorney, California, back in the day. And his client had just, you know, been all mad at him because of how expensive probate was for his dad's will. And the attorney explained to him, oh, what do you want from me? It's California. Uh, it just takes a lot of work. There's fees. I, I wish I could help you, but this is just the way it is. And it was the end of the day. So, you know, he had 
popped open his, his bottle of, of bourbon. He, he was sitting back in the chair, fanning himself, going, man, that was irritating. <sighs> if only there was a way I could avoid probate. If only there was a way I could avoid the government. If only there was a way I could avoid the king. All right, there it is, right? And he thought about it and he said, well, wait a second. Huh, what if, what if I grant myself the power to hold my house for myself as beneficiary? What if I'm all three things? I'm the grantor, I'm the trustee, I'm the beneficiary. And unlike those irrevocable trusts where, you know, I'd be dead and I can't revoke them. I'm alive. I'm here. I'm fine. I can revoke this thing. I'm going to put powers in here that say that I can revoke it. I can modify it. I can change it whenever I want. And this is a trust. It's got a grantor. It's got a trustee. It's got a beneficiary. But it doesn't help with creditors or taxes or anything because I still control everything, right? I didn't give up that power. But that's okay. I'm not doing this to avoid creditors. I'm not doing this to avoid my wife. What I'm going to do is transfer the house and the deed into it so that the deed says it's owned by the revocable trust. And I'm going to move my bank accounts in. I'm going to you know, move my company. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to move it all in. Trust owns it all. For me, I'm the beneficiary and I control it. And if I don't like it someday, I'll shut the whole thing down. But here's the advantage. Someday I'm going to die. And when I die, my successor trustee is my son. So when I die, all he has to do to get control over these things is to show up with a death certificate. I'm dead. Trust says he's in charge. Done. Over. Easy. He doesn't need to take my will down to the the city hall and deal with the surrogate or the register and file and pay the fees and whatnot. So I avoid the king. I avoid that process of going through. Again, son's got to pay my bills. He's got to do everything, right? Everything else. But he doesn't have to deal with the king, right? And filing. And that was it. Guys, that's what this is about. It's about avoiding the king, right? That's been the whole thing all the way along. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope it was informative to you. Uh, it was meant to uh, show you why <laughs> why revocable trusts were created, their purpose, but I think they'll also help explain to you a little bit why they're useful and they're, and they're very good tools. If you're in uh, Pennsylvania or New Jersey and you would like to talk to me about estate planning, please do. Uh, email me, contact me, phone, phone me, however you'd like to do it. Happy to help you out with uh, your, your estate planning needs. It's what we do. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Clink Law Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and share. 